Okay, hello again, everybody. Um, so I am back here with Alyssa White, and so Hi. we, yeah, yeah, it's always great having you on. Uh, so I noticed that you were kind of interested in talking about this movie. Maybe uh, you had some opinions on it. So I decided that it would be cool if we collaborated again to do a review of the new version of Rebecca that came out this year in 2020 for Netflix. I'm always happy to be on here and I do have thoughts about Rebecca. So it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought this would, this would be a great uh, thing to, for us to discuss. So um, yeah, like I said, this is a, another version of Rebecca, which was like a novel from back in the day. And it's been adapted a couple different times. Uh, probably the most well-known version is the one that Alfred Hitchcock did, and it came out in 1940. Um, and I think they also did like a miniseries, and they've done other adaptations later on that were just like another feature film. But this is a new feature film done on Netflix. So, yeah. So ha have you seen the original or seen any of the other uh, versions of the film that have come out? I have not seen any other version of the film, but I did read the novel and I finished the novel on the day this came out. So it was fresh in my mind. I knew the story. So I was like, I'm, pre I'm prepared to see the differences. Okay, cool. So you've read the novel, but mm -hmm. not seen the original film. So that's probably a totally different perspective too. Probably. Yeah. I'm thinking a lot of people are probably comparing this to Hitchcock's version. Maybe they haven't read the novel. Maybe they have. Um, the, the ratings on this movie are pretty interesting, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just when you remake... Um, I had a friend of mine, she like did a video where she was just like, are there any good remakes? <laughs> <laughs> so when you're, when you're like caught up in uh, that type of thinking sometimes, it can kind of bias, I think, where you, where you end up. Uh, but I do think there's definitely some things about this film that um are, are have some strengths for sure mm -hmm. um yeah so i guess we should get into you know how this film plays out um I, I i haven't read the novel so i don't know if it's similar in the novel the way that the story is set up but um i would yeah. say i'd probably talk about that in the spoiler section okay yeah so um yeah so at the beginning of this film it's just like yeah so we should talk about it. so this version now uh, it's Lily James and Army Hammer, right? Mm -hmm. So they're basically the two main leads in this. Um, and Lily James, who's, you know, basically Miss DeWinner, um, she's the one who's playing the the paid companion of Miss Van Hopper. Like, that's the beginning of the film, right? Yeah. And so that they're, like, somewhere in Europe, and that's how the two of them meet. Yeah, they're in Monte Carlo, yeah. and um, if you recognized Mrs. Van Hopper, she is Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale and Dowd, so that was a cool little touch. I thought she did a really good job as yeah. Van Hopper. Yeah, that was a good choice. I think the, the casting in this was pretty strong, uh, oh, yeah. I would say. Um, yeah, so they're in Monte Carlo, and they are, you know, she's she's working for Miss Van Hopper, and again, Miss Van Hopper is like She's not in the film for a long time, but she leaves an impression, right, on us about her and, like, about her effect on, uh, you know, the future Mr. Winter, right? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, it shapes the whole way. Um, the character is never named in the book or in the film. 
but it shapes how Lily James's future Mrs. DeWinter views everything because she goes from being a paid companion to being Mrs. DeWinter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess a couple things. So let's just talk, I guess, broadly about this opening portion of the film where uh, the two of them meet. So we get a lot of stuff of them like going out on dates and like kind of meeting in secret, passing notes. Um, so I guess, you know, again, like the main thing that comes up in these kinds of situations is like, do you buy it? Do you think the chemistry there worked? Did you think that they, they made you feel like, oh, I want to see these two together? So how, how did that work for you, the Lily James Army Hammer stuff? I think it did for this film because Army Hammer portrayed Maxim De Winter as being very charming. He is very charismatic. He is fully like, you can tell he's fully into Lily James's character. He's flirting with her and she's, you know, seeing this handsome man and she's probably envisioning having this amazing life that he has because they had told her she couldn't eat out on the terrace, but then he told her, oh, she's with me. So she yeah. immediately immediately went from being the help to being an esteemed guest just eating breakfast. Yeah, I really like these scenes where there's like all this these montages of the two of them together going on dates. Like they're having lunch, they have lunch a bunch of times. Like at that first meeting, they have oysters together. Oh yeah, she orders oysters for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, because she's just like, well, I never knew if I'd be able to have it again, so I want to have oysters. Um, and yeah, they meet on the beach and they kind of, you know, talk about different stuff. Um, and yeah, you can see the, the, the relationship budding and it, it feels very kind of warm. Mm -hmm. I would say the way that, uh, it comes off the way he treats her. I would say in the other version, like the earlier one, he's, he's a little bit, he's a little bit more mysterious, I, I would say, and a little bit. Uh, kind of, I don't know, standoffish in a way, but he does still like her, you can tell. Yeah, in the book, he is very much, he's distant and cold to her, so Army Hammer's, Army Hammer's version is very different. Yeah, it, it really feels like, um, I, yeah, it just it just feels like there's a, there's a real connection there that I thought was one of the strong suits of this version of the film, is like, uh, I could definitely sort of buy this chemistry between the two of them, which was, you know, a strong suit considering what's, you know, what, what's coming up. Um, what did you think about, like, I guess the, the way they depicted the period, all the costumes and the other stuff like that? I thought it was, it looked gorgeous. The costumes, the colors, the setting, everything was gorgeous. Like there was not a single scene that I didn't think looked stunning. Um, they did upgrade the time period a tad, I believe, because I think in the book, they still had cars in the book, but I think it was a little bit of an earlier time, and I think they updated it a few years in the movie. Um, again, I don't know when specifically this is set, but it does have an older feel to it. I, I believe the the original book was written in like the mid-30s, so it would be like 36 or something. Yeah, pro that was probably when Daphne du Maurier probably envisioned the book being set, but yeah. Yeah, this does feel, it feels like it's probably more like the 40s, but mm -hmm. it does still feel, right, like this pre-war, right, pre-war um, time period in Europe. 
Um, yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. I think that they, that was another thing that I thought this, this, this part of the film, especially they did a really good job of like recreating the period and all of the, everything about it just felt, felt really well done. I mean, I feel like that's the thing where these kind of Netflix adaptations do well is like, they, they really put in the money for the budget to give us what is going to sell this type of stuff. And it, it looked great. It looked great. And yeah, the costumes were great. I thought like all the stuff with uh, like, yeah, the cars and the, the way they made the set look, I mean, it's not, it's not cheap to make a place that's, you know, 2019 or whatever, look like it's 1940. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was very impressive. Um, yeah. And so like, basically then we kind of get to like the real inciting incident of this whole story. Um, Miss Mavid Hopper decides that they're the two of them are just going to go to Europe. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. They're going to go to New York. So they're yeah, just going to leave. Yeah. They're, they're going to leave and then they're just going to go, you know, ba- and, and it's like, she doesn't tell her hardly in advance. It's like the day of, it's like, okay, we're leaving tonight to go to New York. And also like, disses her like really hard. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was another thing. I don't, I don't think, the original, the diss is a little bit, I, I don't know, maybe maybe back in the day, if you just like laid certain things, if you said, oh, I don't think you could do that, maybe that would be a hard enough diss on someone. Oh, yeah. But like, but like this, this one like was really hardcore, the way that Miss Van Hopper like just went in on her. Like, no, it's, you're, you're not good enough. You, you couldn't do it. You, you need to go to New York because then you'll meet people of your own class. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, Ms. Van Hopper does not play around in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so so then, you know, she she goes, she's trying to find Max. Uh, she talks to him, and then she's like, oh, I'm leaving. And, she, you know, she's crying. And, you know, it makes sense. They've been on this whirlwind romance, sneaking away. And, like, you know, the, the front is like, oh, I'm taking tennis, tennis lessons. lessons. <laughs> Well, well, Miss Van Hopper is like literally puking in in her bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and she's and she's like, yeah, like I'm taking tennis lessons. That's it. It's like tennis lessons. It's like ten o'clock at night. It's like, oh yeah, well, it was the last lesson of the night, so I was doing it at night, <laughs> which is really funny. Um, and so Max decides I'll just propose to her um, to to resolve this problem and. You know, that's it. They're going to get married. Um, and, you know, she, yeah, Miss Van Hopper disses her some more, <laughs> right? Uh, she acts super happy when Max tells her that they're getting married. And she's like, oh, I'm so happy for you, blah, blah, blah. And then when he leaves, she's telling her, you know, the reason he's marrying you is just because he's tired of being alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, this woman is is despicable. Uh, and that sort of foreshadows, right? What's going to happen to her, like the rest of the way? She's going to face mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of pushback, a lot of tension from all these, these people around her. Uh, and I think there was also another scene where, like, uh, I think she met Max for the first time or something, and she came back, and then Miss Van Hopper was like joking with her other rich friends. But <laughs> like my my uh, my companion thought that this man liked her. Oh, you know. Yeah, she splashed cheap rose water on her face. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that was really that was like the first time she met Max. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just like this. This is a horrible, horrible person. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get married, and then uh, the next scene we have them. They go off to, um, oh, what do they call their estate? It's like uh, Manderley. Yeah, Manderley. So they go off to Manderley, right? And it's the two of them, and they're all happy. And um, she's now Mr. Winner, right? <laughs> Officially. <laughs> and yeah, we get this really cool scene where she meets all the staff, and there's like 18 people or something that work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, how, cra- how crazy is that? Like, you have your own, like, army, basically, that you, that you have domain over. <laughs> so she's got all these, these people, and basically the main... So we meet, like, there's this one girl who uh, Mr. Winter interacts with a lot. And then the other one is Miss Danvers, who's played by Kristen Scott Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she did really good job of oh, doing yeah. this character in this film. She's excellent. Yeah, I, I really thought that her performance is a big strength in this, in this movie. Um, yeah, and so she's like, I guess the headmistress, right? Uh, in a way. The head housekeeper... You know, she just makes sure everything's running smoothly. Yeah. And so she's responsible. There's a whole bunch of stuff like responsible for getting the dinner menu prepared and like all and like, you know, taking care of the house because the house is like massive. Right. It's like it's huge, it's huge. And what do you think of this? This set, the setting, like the way they made this mansion look. I thought it was gorgeous. Just I mean, I think anyone would want to live there. Especially yeah. considering where it's located and all that, but yeah, it's really it's really nice, um, and they do a great job. Like I'm sure they they did they had like a, something for the exterior, and then they had a bunch of different rooms for the interior. They made it all look very you know massive and luxurious. Um, yeah, and so you know, Mister Winter's there, and she's she's a fish out of water, but she's trying to still you know um, fit in and be be liked by everybody basically yeah she doesn't want to upset anyone that's working there even though her job i mean she their job is to do whatever she says but she doesn't want to offend anyone so she doesn't really ask much but mrs danvers seems like she just doesn't like mrs dwinner at all and she, she's she's worse than mrs van hopper in some ways yeah they feel like this film they feel like a continuation of mm-hmm. each other uh yeah the 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 Miss Danvers is like, she's just like up to an 11. She is so evil in this movie. Like there's, there's no other way to put it. She's just so evil. Yeah, she is. It's just this maniacal conniving evil that she brings to the character, which, you know, the, the acting was great. Oh yeah. Cass was phenomenal. Yeah. But you just like, you just hate her like all the, cause you can see it turning the whole time. You're like, she's, she's going to screw you over. And also, <laughs> Uh, the whole impetus of the movie and why it's named Rebecca is because Maxim's first wife was named Rebecca and she died. So Mrs. Danvers is constantly going, oh, Rebecca was like this. And yeah. Rebecca was prettier than you are and all this kind of stuff. And it makes Lily James as Mrs. DeWinter feel, um, trying to think of the word, opposite of superior. <laughs> yeah, inadequate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, totally. And and the other thing, too, is like the, all of Rebecca's stuff is all around, right? Oh, yeah. Miss Danvers has kept everything in its place, hasn't changed a thing. 
So yes. it's just constantly like Rebecca's presence is looming over everything. Yeah, there's a couple scenes where uh, Mr. Winter goes and finds Rebecca's room, mm-hmm. her old room, and it's in perfect condition the way it, the way it was, and all of her stuff has this really fancy uh, R on and it. She has everything monogrammed. Yeah, yeah, she has everything monogrammed, so you know it's hers. And she has like her, yeah, her little room, and she has her brush, and she had like this dress, and all the stuff is just there. Uh, and it's very strange. Um, and then um, Mr. Winter goes to like Rebecca's, I guess her old cabin or something where she used to. Oh, the boat cottage. Yeah. Yeah. The boat cottage. Yeah. So where she like had all her stuff before, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever happened to her. Um, and yeah. And then all the stuff is there too. And like all the dogs keep going there and stuff. <laughs> it's really funny. The stuff with the dogs, they have like two dogs and, the dogs almost have this like weird instinct to like, they, basically they're, they're leading Mr. Winter to um, all these old things that Rebecca had. It's almost like they wish she was back too. And like one scene, they lead her to this like secret passageway in the wall that if you move the door in the wall, you go into another room and yeah, they go to the boat cottage. Um, there are several other instances where they go to people or people, things that are associated with Rebecca. Yeah, so she just can't escape it, right? Oh, no. Yeah. And, again, she's, you know, it's established that she's, like, she's not a rich girl or whatever in this world. She's she's just a normal person who's kind of been down on their luck. Like, her, her mother died, and then her dad, something happened to him, too. Yeah, about three months after her mom died. Her mom died from the flu, and then yeah. I can't remember what her dad died from. But he died three months later, so she has no family. Yeah, she has no family, and she just took this job uh, on a whim, and then she gets married, basically. And so, you know, that's another thing, too, is she's not part of this whole system of, you know, aristocracy. And so she's not really familiar with with all of the things that go on. And so she's very kind of – she's aware of it, and she's trying not to make any mistakes, but, of course – you know, the people around her are sabotaging her, right? Oh, yeah. And that's just like, you know, it's like a lose-lose scenario. It's like, well, I'm trying really hard, but everyone's trying to undermine me, so what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, it's. It, I, I thought that was really... I. What do you think of, like, I guess, Lily Jane's performance in general as the lead in this film? I thought she was fantastic. Um, doesn't match the description from the book. I don't know if I should save that for later or not, but... Um, I thought she was really good in this. Yeah, she uh, she's she's one of my favorite actors of like I guess her generation for sure. She well, plays she's Cinderella. She's a very charming actress. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's very charming. She's very likable. You know, uh, she's has a very empathetic demeanor about her, and that really shows a lot in this film. Yeah, like I said, she she's played Cinderella, <laughs> and this is kind of yeah. a similar. This is like Cinderella after she gets married. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's true. I didn't think about it that way, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and she's been in a couple other films. She what? She was in like Baby Driver. I don't know if you've seen that film. Yeah, Baby Driver and the second Mamma Mia. Um, she was actually in the TV show Downton Abbey for a couple seasons. Yeah, so she's she's done uh, some good stuff, and you know. Um, again, she's just like one of those familiar faces and yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I liked her 
in this film. I, I thought it I thought it worked. I thought the casting was really, really good for this film. Um, okay, so yeah, why don't we transition into talking about spoiler versions okay. of what's going on. Okay, so yeah, so we're going to get more deeply into the plot for everybody. So just be aware of that. So um, yeah, so I guess one of the first things we should talk about is so they get to the estate. And one of the things that starts happening is so Maxim, he, he like, he like sleepwalks, right? Yeah. He sleepwalks, which mm-hmm. that is not in the book, but yeah, I think Ben Wheatley and the writers added that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, he sleepwalks and basically we see he's sleepwalking to Rebecca's room, mm-hmm. which is very interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, and Lily James comes up behind him. She's going to tap him on the shoulder, and out of nowhere, Mrs. Danvers appears. It's like, it's dangerous to w- wake a sleepwalker, and Lily James is like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. Miss Danvers is there. Yeah. And then uh, Lily James goes back to her bedroom, but she's still like, why is Maxim going to Rebecca's room? And I like the second instance when he went there, because it was more of a dream because you see Lily James walking and all of a sudden grass appears on the floor. She sinks down into it and then she wakes up. Yeah. And she like wakes up with like scratches on her body. Yeah. And her, uh, her assistant's like, Oh my gosh, she got scratched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting choice for sure. Um, did, so did that work for you? Like adding that in there? I thought I liked it. I personally liked that addition. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it does add another layer, right, of, like, this obsession um, with Rebecca, right? So, like, mm-hmm. even when he's he's asleep, he's thinking of her. You know, that just gets implanted in Mr. Winter's mind. Uh, so, I, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> and also, you know, again, there's, like, this thriller element where, you know, it's, I, yeah, it just creates more of a mystery. It's like, where is he going? Why is he going there? And, of course, Miss... Danvers is there to scare us, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, that was that was one thing that really stood out to me, for sure. Um, and then, okay, so so then, so one thing that I want to talk about, so there's this, there's a, there's a couple of sequences where, like, a bunch of faux pas happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of them was the guy comes over, right, Jack Favell. I, I, I forget exactly what the sequence of events was. Yeah, one of them was like Jack Favell comes over and him and um, Mr. Winter are talking and then they, you know, they get, they ride a horse together and all the stuff. And then he, he takes off and then, um, <laughs> and then Max shows up and then she's like, oh yeah, I was talking to this guy, Jack. And she was, he's like, what? Yeah. He, gets, he gets hella mad. Um, and then, you know, Miss Danvers is like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like, I. Even though she's the one who invited him, because Jack said, oh, Danny, which is why he calls Mrs. Danvers, invited me, but I'm early. And then Mrs. Danvers is like, I, I didn't invite him. Yeah. So then yeah. Max is mad at Mrs. DeWinter, because he mm-hmm. thinks that she somehow got a hold of him, or, you know, she let him in. Or he didn't really go in the house, but she hung out with him. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And so he's mad at that, and, you know, um, I, I remember there's this one scene where, like, uh, Mr. Winter is thinking about firing Miss Danvers. Yeah, she did it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and then Miss Danvers managed to befriend befriend. Yeah, Mrs. befriend her. And she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, I'll help you. You never asked for my help." But then she's like, "Well, what about if I ask for your help now?" 
and they seem friendly. You know, they're working on Manderley together. And then, uh, uh, this whole time, Mrs. DeWinter is playing this ball at Manderley because she's the new bride. She wants to throw mm-hmm. this ball, and Mrs. Danvers is like, oh, you need a costume. Yeah. And Mrs. DeWinter uh, sketches, and she can't come up with a costume. So her assistant, Clarice, comes and says, oh, why don't she copy one of the portraits in the hall? Mrs. Danvers said, especially the one in the red dress is really beautiful. So that's what she does. And then before the balls, well, yeah, before the ball starts, Maxim and his sister and her husband are all in this room. And Mrs. DeWinter is so excited because she's thinking Maxim's going to love her dress. She goes down the steps and Maxim just looks angry. His sister looks horrified. And he tells her, get changed. Go, get changed. And she leaves in tears. His sister goes up to the room and tells her, Rebecca had worn that same dress the year prior to the ball. And then her assistant says, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Mrs. Danvers told me to tell you that. So yeah. Miss Danvers the whole time was trying to sabotage Mrs. DeWinter by making her wear Rebecca's exact costume. Yeah, um, that was a really great scene, right? Because it's just like so devastating. Um, and there's even this thing beforehand where... You know, Mr. Winter, like, has the dress in a box, and he's trying to look in the box. And she's like, no, don't look, don't look. You're going to get the surprise of your life. <laughs> and and he just, did. Yeah, he did. And it's just, like, it's just so messed up, right? It's just, like, man, fate is cruel. Um, <laughs> but, again, it's just, like, and, and the other thing, too, is they do all these shots of, like, like Mrs. Danvers peering around, like, watching the reactions. Oh, yeah, she's always a creeper. Yeah, she's so such a creeper, and she's always, you know, you could tell she's she's trying to, she's yeah, she's just trying to like manipulate stuff and like you know get get all this get all these things to happen. Uh, I always thought I thought those those are really effective, um, and yeah, you just you just like you just like hate her, but you know you 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 definitely makes you feel something right about about her about Miss Danvers. You're just like man, you are an evil evil person, and she's obsessed with Rebecca. Yeah, she is. She's obsessed with Rebecca. For, and it seems like from what she talks about, it seems kind of weird. It seems like Rebecca was not like a nice person, right? No. She said, well, Mrs. Danvers had taken care of Rebecca ever since she was a child. And she said Rebecca would ride this horse and no one else could ride it. But at, by the time she was finished riding it, the horse was bleeding and frothing at the mouth. And Rebecca was proud of herself for that. And Miss Danvers says other things about how she's not kind to people, but Miss Danvers loved her for that. Yeah, it's all, yeah, it's some really, I don't know, like, <laughs> it was kind of psychotic, right? It's like, yeah. oh yeah, she was so hard, and like, there's a scene where the two of them are together in, in, in Rebecca's room, Mr. Winter and Miss Danvers, and she's like, oh yeah, she would like, have me brush her hair, she's like brushing, um, Mr. Winter's hair, and then she starts <laughs> brushing her hair really hard, and she's like telling all these weird stories about, like, and the way that the tone and the inflection that she gave to the way Rebecca talked is like, and this person sounds horrible. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, she does not sound like the lovely woman that other people were talking about. Yeah, yeah, she sounds like a horrible person, honestly. Um, but it just makes it all the stranger that you have to live up to this this really kind of off-putting sort of... <laughs> sort of version of a person that's supposed to be the ideal person. Yeah, because everyone says, oh, Rebecca was just the most beautiful woman ever. 
she did this so much for Manderly. She helped so many people. And then Miss Danvers is telling this different story about how she's doing all this stuff that she laughed at people behind their backs and talked about them, that this is all a game to her. Yeah, yeah. She she sounds like the the archetypal type kind of um I don't know, like the the aristocratic person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who just like sort of looks down on people below her and is very, very stern and harsh and cold. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that that doesn't go well at all. This whole this whole no. party situation it just does not go well at all, unfortunately. But then, uh, so they get into this story about like what happened to Rebecca, and so pretty much she went out on her boat and then she drowned, and yeah. they. Yeah, they recovered this body. I think she the, the boat was away for a long time. So Yeah, it had been away for a long time, and then it washed ashore the day after the party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um Rebecca basically Rebecca's body shows up now too in this <laughs> And the thing is, Maxim had already identified her body the year before. There's some strange woman lying in the family crypt, and now there everyone's like there's no way Rebecca could have drowned on her boat. She was an expert sailor. She knew what she was doing. So they have to go into this investigation. And Mrs. DeWinter goes to the boat cottage after that. Maxim is there drinking. And then yeah. he reveals the truth to her. Which is that he shot and killed Rebecca. Put her on the boat. Uh, sailed it into a cove somewhere. And then he had tied it up. But somehow it had come undone, washed back to shore. So he was telling her this because, and he also gave her a gun telling her, you can end it now. No one will know. You're not guilty. You can live your life. But she decides to stand by Max Ullman, protect his yeah. secret. Yeah. And the other thing too is like, you know, again, we're, we always before get this perception that Rebecca was perfect and she was amazing. And um, Mr. Winters like always, constantly thinking that she has to live up to being Rebecca, that Rebecca was perfect. And Maxim's like, no, I hated Rebecca. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I hated her and I wanted to get out, but I knew I couldn't. I couldn't get a divorce because that's just not something that my family does. So I was stuck. Um, and this was a way out. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it almost sounded like it was maybe an arranged marriage, possibly, because he said he never loved her. He didn't like her from the first day. He said she was just awful. But they had to they made this deal that if he pretended to be happy in their marriage, she would take care of Manderly. But then she keeps breaking her promise that she made that she would stay there. She's traveling to London all the time. It's revealed that she has multiple lovers, including Jack Favell, her cousin. And Maxim just snapped one night. Yeah. And killed her. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and like you said, there's this, there's this moment where Mr. Winter could basically get 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 out of this whole thing uh shoot shoot maxim and then kind of have the estate to herself right mm -hmm. uh but she chooses to like pretty much fight for him and um yeah and sort of be with him still and forgive him um which yeah which is interesting i mean again it makes sense because she she does definitely genuinely love him mm -hmm. she just hates all this rebecca crap right <laughs> And in the book, when he reveals that to her, it says in the book she's thinking, I'm just so glad he said he didn't love Rebecca. I know. 
<laughs> and the book he that's the first time he tells um Mrs. DeWinter that he loves her is during that scene. He has never said it before then. She thinks he's been in love with Rebecca this whole time. And then he finally reveals he hates Rebecca and he says, I love you. And that's what she latches onto his saying he loves her and that he didn't love Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. This is like a really big turning point for the two of them. Uh, when she knows the truth and she knows that, yeah, he really does care about her and hates Rebecca. I think it's both of those, right? When you put those yeah. two together, it's like, okay, now I want to I want to stick to the situation. Um, so yeah, we, at this point, now it's, right, there's this whole investigation scenario. And um, they're trying to prove all this stuff. Again, there's more machinations, more of... Uh, Miss Danvers. So Miss Danvers, I guess, and Jack, they plot this messed up kind of trap, I guess Black you could say. Theme kind yeah. Of, yeah. Cause Jack Black. wants he said, two or three thousand pounds, I'll go away. And Max was like, I'm not paying that. Yeah, and so then he was like, Oh yeah, if because like there was I guess there was some note that was written. Yeah, Rebecca wrote a note to Jack saying that she was going to be at the boat cottage at midnight. She wanted him to come. He didn't end up showing up until the next day, and then she was already gone. Yeah, um, and so that is incriminating. That incriminates that in, that incriminates Max, um, and you know, yeah. And then this whole thing's going on, and then that gets you know <laughs> spun out into this this uh, this investigation. Um, and yeah, so then they they so it's either it's, it was it a suicide or was it a murder? And so at that point, they're like, this has to be a murder. So they're going to investigate Max for murder and they arrest him, throw him, throw him in jail. Yeah, they do this because uh, Miss Danvers gives them a notebook that Rebecca wrote all of her appointments in. And she had visited a women's specialist in London. So everyone thought she was pregnant because they said she had a bulge in her stomach, but she was still losing weight and she looked paler. And then, of course, she's telling Jack meet her at midnight so she could tell him something. So everyone assumes she's pregnant. So yep. they think Max killed her because she got pregnant with Jack's baby. Yeah. Um, and so then, then Rebecca, uh, then Miss DeWinter goes on her own to like try and investigate this thing to do with this doctor. Mm -hmm. And so they go around, she's going around kind of snooping or whatever. And then she finds some information about the doctor. Um, and then she uh, gets to the doctor and then looks up the, the medical file and she actually steals it from his office and then gets caught. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm, I swear I just read it. I didn't change anything. Yeah. <laughs> and the a small detail is Rebecca had actually used her, put her name down as Rebecca Danvers, not Rebecca DeWinter. She didn't want people to know that she had been there. And then the doctor saying, well, the investigator is saying, well, Rebecca was here, so she must have been pregnant. And the doctor's like, I'm not that kind of women's doctor. He said, I'm an oncology doctor. I treat women's cancer. And he said, Rebecca had a tumor in her uterus, and she only had three to four weeks left to live. So that gave them a reason to believe she committed suicide because he said she would have been in tremendous pain. She would have needed morphine just to get through those weeks before she died. So that gave them a plausible reason to believe it was suicide. Yeah. Um, so that totally changes everything. And now Max is basically acquitted, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's, again, another twist and turn in this whole crazy scenario where it's like, 
did he do it? Did he not do it? What's this? What's that? And, you know, is he going to go to jail or not? And there's just all these secrets and craziness. Um, but yeah, in the end, uh, Maxim and Miss uh, uh, Dwinner, they are free and they're together. Um, but yeah. Mrs. Danvers burns down Manderley <laughs> yeah. before she commits suicide. Yeah. Which just yeah. tells you how obsessed she was because after finding out, you know, Maxim was let go, they said that uh, Rebecca had committed suicide, but Miss Danvers still believed that Maxim had killed her, which he had. She burns down Manderley. She gets on this rock, and the current Mrs. DeWinter talks to her. She's trying to beg her not to do it, but she's like, just know you both will burn in hell, and then she jumps <laughs> off and dies. Assume well, We assume she dies because she jumps from a cliff and then into the ocean. Yeah, and very poetically, she drowns the way Rebecca drowned, yeah. basically, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that whole sequence, like when the when the estate's on fire, like that was really impressive, the way they shot that. And yeah, it's just so fatalistic seeing Miss Danvers do that. Um, it, yeah, it's just it, wow, <laughs> like that that level of like like like. like it's just so dark. It's just so dark. Um, and they just feel like, like uh, Rebecca and Miss Danvers feel like two, two, two blighted souls meant to, meant to be mm -hmm. together to do this sort of, sort of evil stuff. I mean, neither what it's, it, it almost makes you feel like Miss Danvers is exactly what Rebecca was like, basically. And that's like, yeah. you know, like, this is what, this is what that person would be like. Who's, she's not perfect. She's very conniving, very evil. Um, yeah, that scene was very powerful when she just jumps off the cliff and we see her fall into the water and she just drowns. Um, yeah, and, and then we get like a little postscript where they're the two of them are sort of in their happily ever after, Maxim and Mr. Winter, and they're trying to find somewhere to stay <clears throat> permanently. Yeah, and they're um, in Cairo at that point. Mm -hmm. But she said, we're tr still trying to find the perfect city, country to live the rest of our lives in. Yeah, but, you know, basically they get a happy ending, right? <laughs> they do, yeah. Which is a little bit different than the book. Um, the book, it just ends with Manderley burning. It just stops there. Mrs. Danvers is assumed to have started the fire, but no one has seen her. Um, they did, Daphne du Maurier and did write an original epilogue that was cut, which shows them in Switzerland years and years later, and they're just staying in this hotel and it just kind of goes through how, you know, Mrs. DeWinter is still taking care of Maxim and they have this routine. And yeah, and in the book, it's stated that Maxim is uh, 42 and Mrs. DeWinter is 21. So he's twice her age also, which is definitely not the case in this movie. He might be a few years older, but he's not double her age because there's no way Army Hammer could pass for being double Lily James's age. They look about the same. Yeah, they look about the same. They look like they, or or like he's you know thirty something, and he and she's like mid twenties. At yeah, you know. um, that's interesting. It, so you said in the book, like <clears throat> the description of Mister Winter is a bit different. Is she like a blonde, or is she? Um, I think she was listed. I think she was described as blonde. Is kind of something I didn't really pay much attention to, but it is stated she is very plain in the book that no one thinks she's beautiful. She doesn't dress well. She wears the same clothes pretty much every day. 
in this movie, obviously, Lily James is gorgeous. She's wearing these gorgeous clothes and new outfit every day. So they did upgrade her character to make her look better. I'd say that's, I mean, in today's audience, that's what people want. So, yeah. I mean, they've always done that in, in the yeah. in the in the nineteen forty version. It's it's Joan Fontaine plays the character, and I mean Joan Fontaine is not unattractive like by yeah. any measure, right? So I mean, it's always Hollywood, right? It's like they just get the like the uh, I I guess like the 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 super attractive person would have been you know I don't know Rita Hayworth or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or, but like the plain person is is Joan Fontaine, who's like way more attractive than most most people. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's just the same in Hollywood. They just give them like the like you silly. <laughs> they like like the the trick is like give them glasses or something. They can wear glasses. Yeah, yeah this will this will this will subtract from your beauty. Put glasses on or put a wig on that changes your hair. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, no, that's still Lily James. She's still really attractive. Like, even if you try and do all this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, I guess that covers the film. Um, I guess, so what were the things that would you say really worked for you about this film? I love pretty much all of it. I mean, I would say about the first half of the film follows the book pretty closely. There are some changes, such as the fact that Mrs. DeWinter in the book did not want to host this ball but she does it because she thinks it'll make maxim happy so someone else from the town is the one that does the ball preparation and the book her costume is white instead of red but overall the first half remains generally the same the second half is when they take a lot of liberties because in the book um maxim never is arrested he's never in jail um also they never go. Well, they do go to the doctor's office, but Mrs. DeWinter never breaks in and steals the files or anything. They just speak directly to the doctor, and he gets the file out himself. Is like, oh yeah, she had cancer, so it's pretty cut and dry in that regard. The book makes it more. I mean, the movie makes it more dramatic. Yeah, it feels like the movie like really tried to play up the thriller elements, right? Oh yeah, create all these scenarios where you know people are there's this sub subterfuge and like people are scheming or trying to like do stuff and, you know, evade the police or something. Um, yeah, I, I really, what I liked, I liked the, um, I liked the act, the choice of the actors I thought was really good. I thought everyone, and, and especially like in comparison to like the 1940s version, it just felt like the, you know, Maxim and Mr. Winter stuff uh, really worked, you know? Um, it, it made you understand why he would want to just marry her on a whim. Um, yeah, in the book, they don't have that same kind of chemistry. Everyone just assumes he married her because she was younger. But the reason he married her in the book, or what I got the reason was, is because she was the complete opposite of Rebecca. She was more optimistic, more youthful. She was kind. And that was everything Rebecca wasn't. But in this movie, they have chemistry from the very beginning. Yeah, and you could tell that they are like, it's basically a good match. And, um, you know, there is still obviously that element there where she's like, yeah, she's very optimistic. She's very, um, has a positive demeanor. All those things obviously seem very attractive about her to him. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can just, yeah, you can just tell that they like in our 
21st century mind of like there has to be love this thing yeah. called love like the love is there you know <laughs> um yeah and i i really thought uh chris's scott thomas was like amazing in this like she was just, just so devious and evil but <laughs> just just unbelievably great i i really think that yeah she she really did a great job with this role um and really upped it to another level and i think that you know the the original was like in black and white and the fact that this is in color like it definitely adds a uh, you know a new kind of feeling to the film a new energy to it that is different and memorable um yeah so i mean overall like those are the things that i thought were strengths for sure for the film oh yeah yeah cool um yeah so did you have any i guess before wrapping up if you have any last thoughts about this uh this movie um i really couldn't find much i didn't like about it honestly i know a lot of people did not like this movie but to me i mean I read the book just I finished it hours before I watched the movie. So I like that it took some change it well, it changed some things from the book for sure. Because I don't want to watch a movie and have it be a straight adaptation because that then you're just seeing the same thing that you just read all over again. I thought the cast was great. I loved the bright, colorful setting and clothes and all of that. And yeah, I mean I thought it went by super fast for me, even though it's a little over two hours. It went by super quick. Um, I'm trying to find something to nitpick about, really. Um, I I do think some characters that were major in the book were they were actually just like either cut out or reduced to a very minuscule role, which I probably would have liked to see more from those characters in the movie. But again, if you've never read the book, that wouldn't apply to you. You don't know the characters, so. It's not a huge issue. I think that was the main thing for me was because some characters were just completely cut out or reduced to a very small role. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can tell they really, they really like kind of start snipping stuff. Like you said, in the second half, they really were kind of driving the narrative all about Mr. Winter, basically. Yeah, they were. Hey. And they focus on just, Pretty much Mr. Winter, Max Hellman, Mrs. Danvers in the movie. The book is all about all these different people, how it's affecting them. And the book is much more of a slow burn. This is very quickly paced. It is. It is very quick paced. And, and they, they kind of like try to start delivering all this stuff to you like right away. Like she gets there and then you meet Miss Danvers and then you kind of know something's up. And then before you know it, you know, there's all these other people, but they're, you know, there's all these scenes where Mr. Winter is interacting with them. And they're like, there's this one where two people like walk behind her and they're like kind of laughing or something. And, you know, she just got this uneasy feeling about the whole situation. And then the sleepwalking immediately happens. And, you know, it's just all like, you know, they're giving you something every other scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is a bunch of mystery unfurling. <laughs> which I am a fan of the director of this, which, this admittedly doesn't seem very Ben Wheatley-esque compared to his... I've only seen his prior two films, to be honest, so that's Free Fire and High Rise. Those were both way different than this. Um, this is a much larger scale, more toned down compared to his previous two movies. But I did think, you know, some of his touchstones were there, the bright, colorful visuals, excellent cast, um, quick pace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also... <laughs> I heard that he was going to direct the Meg 2 that just yeah, was announced. I don't know if he's still attached to it, but he's also supposed to direct Tomb Raider 2. 
Oh, that'd be great. Ooh, that'd be really I, exciting. I'm not sure if he's still attached, though. Since I saw the Meg 2 thing, I'm like, is he still attached to Tomb yeah, Raider? Maybe not. Or maybe he's, like, kind of trying to juggle both. Yeah. Um, I think generally what happens is, like, whatever is going to happen first, you just do it. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and admittedly, the Meg, I think, made a lot more than Tomb Raider did. So, even though I love Tomb Raider, I love the 2016 Tomb Raider, I have not seen the Meg. I feel like I should just because it's a shark movie. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a campy shark movie, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to picture Ben Wheatley directing, like, a big action movie in either of those senses. I mean, he did Free Fire really well, but that was a very contained movie. It was all set in one room. Um, much lower budget than these are going to be. So, it'll be interesting, whichever he does or if he does both, to see how he directs these movies mm -hmm. yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here but this is this is definitely a successful film i'm sure um cool all right well uh yeah that's that's uh i think all we have for uh this review uh yeah so um Alyssa, any anything else you want to talk about or plug or any videos you got coming up um i should have a couple videos coming up in a week or two so check my youtube for that um if you want to follow me anywhere i know that the links are below me right now, so you can follow me there and we can be friends. And yeah, I'd love to chat with you and share geeky movie knowledge yeah. with you and all that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you have a great Instagram account where you like review all the stuff you've been watching. Movies I and love doing like that. that. It's got a lot less followers than my main Instagram does, but I think I'm more passionate about the movie Instagram than I am about yeah. my personal one. So, yeah. yeah, if you want to follow that, I would really appreciate that. Yeah, I would definitely tell people to check it out. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, thanks a lot again, everybody. And um, uh, we'll hopefully see you again uh, at some point in the future. Take care. Bye.